This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. A big buzzword for 2021 is optimism. Politicians, marketers, and even celebrities are cheering the world on as vaccination efforts roll out. And while the end of the pandemic may still be further away than we'd like, at least an end is in view. How does this relate to the retail experience? As we all know, shopping hasn't exactly been a fun experience lately. It's felt more like a military operation at times. That being said, wherever brands can bring a little bit of joy into their messaging and store experience, it will be most welcome. Today, I'm speaking to Paul Goldsmith, who has years of experience managing retail brands, not just in Canada, but internationally. Most recently, he was leading design services for Walmart Canada, and that encompassed a broad portfolio from private label to in-store to next-generation store design. In Canada, he also worked for Shoppers Drug Mart and Loblaw in product and marketing leadership roles. He describes himself as an optimistic person, and today we're going to discuss why the world needs a good dose of happy thoughts now more than ever. Paul, welcome. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Melinda. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, it sounds like we've got a nice clear connection because I'm in the UK and you're in Toronto, right? That's right. Um, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about you and your expertise, just to give us some background. Yeah, no problem. So born in the UK, but I pretty much lived outside of the UK for all the time that I was an adult. I was in Dubai for a number of years. I worked for a creative agency there. So early part of my career, I was a creative director came to Canada about 18, 18 years ago, and I had a job leading a product development team over at Loblaw, which was fantastic. It was private label, understanding customers, developing a range of products, primarily under the President's Choice brand, bringing them to market, uh, marketing them, checking them out, and uh, going back and doing some analysis afterwards. So running a team in new product development there. Went over to Shoppers for a while, was running private brand marketing. And last job, as you've already mentioned, yeah, at Walmart Canada, looking after design services, which was quite um, a broad reach in terms of tactics. So everything from in-store through to some of the broader reach stuff as well. So I've now left Canada. I'm back in the UK. And I've had a bit of time, like a bit of watching daytime TV and sitting on the sofa, <laughs> catch my breath and, and have a think. And I reckon that the stuff I've enjoyed the most in my sort of last 20 years has really been the art. The science is great, but the art is what I really love. So the science was great at informing a good brief and measuring results, but really it's the art is where the magic was and that's where the competitive edge was so when i look back at some of the successes i had working for retailers i think it's when we were able to speak and speak when it really resonated that was the stuff that i really enjoyed so i would describe myself now as a creative type i get excited about ideas that genuinely engage build value over time and to be honest, I think, you know, working in this, this business, that's when you really get to feel like a rock star. And that's where your work gets really validated. 
Absolutely. I think you and I may have that in common. I also love the art, the magic, the story. That's that's what gets me excited too. Absolutely. So yeah, we started this conversation back in December when you shared some really great holiday ads with the SLD team that were coming out of the UK and they just, they hit the spot in terms of messaging. Can you tell us about your favorite one and why you think it resonated so much? I think before I get into that, let me, let me just layer in just a little bit more context. So finishing up sort of, what is it, July, August in Canada mm -hmm. and moving back to the UK, walking around some of the British stores, I, I was struck by some of the innovation that I was seeing there. The other thing that I found, I, I, I should have expected it more than I did, but what I found really interesting, this idea of these universal challenges for retailers. So whether in, you're in Toronto, New York, Sydney, London, wherever you are, it's the same macro consumer wants, needs, and fears. And what I was seeing was the pandemic, obviously. I was seeing big ideas, um, big pressures around inequality and representation. The other big piece was around the planet, and then just generally consumer behavior, retailers couldn't figure out exactly how to transition from bricks and mortar to online, uh, in-store tech adoption, that type of stuff. Right. So yeah, the outcome for me was really that retailers all over the world, they're facing the same challenges in, in real time, um, they're all facing them together. And what I have been doing is sharing back to some of my North American clients, how UK retailers have chosen to set their priorities, communicate their positions, their visions and their big ideas. And the reason I think that's of use to companies in North America is really because the market is, is very, very similar in, in, in lots of ways, but it's, it's more compact, timelines seem to be a bit shorter and it's less risk averse. So it tends to generate more creativity and innovation which works its way over the atlantic in shorter and shorter timelines it would it, it would appear now as well so for the holidays what i was doing is i was looking at some of the major retailers here some of which in fact most of which probably aren't going to be that familiar with um, north americans but it's waitrose marks and spencers sainsbury's tesco's uh and asda and, you know, there, there was a lot of commonalities between what those retailers, I'm excluding the deep discounters here, Audi and Little, because they're, they're really quite different. But with all those things that were going on, which I mentioned about the pandemic, this idea of inequality, like it really struck me, right? George Floyd is murdered in the US. And a few weeks later, I'm walking in Bath, which is like a, a Georgian town in the southwest of England, and it's affected the choice of books that are on display in the window. Right. So we're all absorbed by the same outrage at the same time. We're all more emotionally connected than ever before. And I think what we were seeing from UK retailers about how they were speaking to Holiday is probably very similar to how it could or should have been done in other countries. So much more caring, so much more emphasis around a caring message, definitely acknowledging that this has been a truly challenging year 
And I think that's really important for the internal audiences, mm -hmm. these companies as well. Many opted to highlight the importance of togetherness, you know, expanding this whole community element. So sort of bucketing them out because they all had different approaches. So Waitrose was really around kindness. Marks and Spencers, they kind of did what Marks and Spencers always do, but sort of focusing on like premium food. Um, Sainsbury's really was sort of doubling down on nostalgia this year the family and the power of Christmas's past. Tesco's had a bit of a unique treatment and to bring in humor. I think what they all had in common is they knew to simply talk about product this year round wasn't gonna be enough, right? Right. This was not the year for unrestrained consumerism. Uh, there needed to be some acknowledgement of where we are to show some heart and to get, to get back to your question, Melinda, sorry, is my favorite ad and why it resonated. I would say creatively, you know, from a purely artistic perspective, what Waitrose did was fantastic. It ticked many boxes for all of the points that I'd mentioned about showing caringness and acknowledging the challenge of the year, so on and so forth. But I think the way Tesco's approached it really had that ability to resonate because they used an unlikely approach and humor is one of those approaches that is difficult to get right yeah when you get it right it works incredibly well and can be powerful but it's also very easy to get wrong as well and i think when you're funny about serious issues you can become seriously funny let's have a listen to the tesco ad it's amazing because that ad that they put together again it sort of spoke to how difficult a year it was it spoke to the realities but what it did do is it gave you license to still enjoy the holidays and i think what's interesting is i don't know if you could reskin that ad maybe given the sort of canadian accents instead of british accents and that ad probably still would have worked for a canadian retailer yeah so that was the one for me that i think resonated so if everybody, if all these stores in the UK were really, they're, they're taking positivity, they're taking different approaches to um, having a positive message. How did they take this into the store experience? It, I think it was very difficult for anybody to plan, right? Because when the, 
some stuff that's easiest to share are obviously the TV ads that are the most entertaining. They articulate the big idea, the easiest, and we can understand it quickly and, and uh, understand where they're at. The in-store piece is always tougher because, you know, doing that myself at Walmart, a lot of this stuff has got much longer lead times. And I think the one of the biggest challenges this year was to get that connectivity in terms of the big ideas. So you didn't see a lot of the retailers connecting the big idea of the broad reach or the digital or the social to what was happening in store. But some of those themes did still come through in terms of the charity support. Customers, consumers wanted to understand how they could help. So there's things like community boards, there's a lot of in-store signage um, through their print publications and, uh, and magazines. I think the store, the retailer that did this the best was Waitrose. They had their give a little love campaign. Again, I think was, you know, enabling people to find some expression that really did come to life the best in store through lots of different tactics. Ultimately, this really did come down to individuals. It did come down to communities. It came down to sort of bringing the best out of people. But it was difficult to really have cohesive, integrated campaigns this year. Right. I don't know. I mean, how it was in the UK, but here we had, you know, you had to wait in a long lineup to go into the grocery store because they had limited numbers of people that were allowed to go in at once. And so then when you got in the store, it kind of just, it did feel like you're on a tactical operation to just get the stuff you need and get out. It, it took a lot of the joy out of it. So anytime there was something that was a little bit nice, I did notice it just because it was a year worse. You know, sometimes you might go in and you might not be able to find your product just because everything is, the you know, supply chain was under so much strain. But um, anything I did notice when there were little, even just little things that made you smile. So um, I, I didn't see a lot of it though. Um, so no. yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot. It was, I think it was just, I think stores were just struggling to function operationally and that was enough of a, of a job. Yeah, you're, you're, honestly, Linda, you're absolutely right because you know I, I was still working on this stuff when I was at Walmart and the priorities were clear, right? It's operations, it's making sure that stuff gets to store, it's making sure the stores are full, they have product. And if, you know, a lot of retailers find it very difficult to really get that sort of print material to store on time quickly enough because the story was changing, right? Yeah. Sometimes lockdown, then it was released. Um, but I think one thing Brits and Canadians do have in common, I think we're pretty good at queuing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. So I don't know, there's something that always happens here. Every, it takes about five minutes and then someone mentions the war, right? And oh. then they find this kind of, <laughs> anyone over 50 thinks they fought in the war, right? right. So I don't know, that's something that I, I think was probably in the popular mindset is we've been through worse, it's gonna be okay. But I think just coming back to that sense of community, helping each other, we'll get through this. And the other thing that Canada and Britain's also got in common is we've got the universal healthcare piece. Right. So it was, you know, just paying credit to frontline workers and store associates, store staff fit into that category of frontline workers. Yeah. So I think hopefully coming out of this, there is a newfound 
respect or at least appreciation for store staff. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been some setbacks. So we obviously, we know there's some mutated strains of the virus out there. Uh, you, you and I are both, you know, in the UK and Canada in the midst of a really intense second wave and vaccination might not be happening as fast as we like, but I think overall people are feeling at least more hopeful than they were before we found out that we had some vaccines. So, I mean, this might seem like an obvious question, but when it comes to sensitivity to consumer sentiment, where do you see things being at now in the new year? What are your thoughts about that? So I think I first saw this sentiment start to change when the first vaccine was approved before it, before it was rolled out. And so, you know, sort of coming back to some of the points we were talking about earlier, I think one of the things that has always been one of the key challenges in my career, it has been to produce marketing communications that resonate. It's easy to talk to the customer. You can talk to them about anything you want, right? Because you can, you can pay, you can pump stuff out, but to really have stuff that you're going to talk about that is of consequence that will resonate so it will be meaningful they'll they'll want to hear what you're saying that i think is the art and the magic that we were speaking about earlier and i think there there's been like um, you can almost map it out in terms of expectation in terms of what brands and retailers should be talking about when and where so there was a time for acknowledgement like you're gonna have to acknowledge how difficult it has been for people and i think a lot of that as for retailers has been for the internal audience as well you know it's, it's showing appreciation for the staff that kept the lights on the wheels turning and the cash registers ringing but it's also you know just acknowledging how difficult it's been for the whole country then it's been a case of assuaging the the guilt, if you like, for those of us who weren't directly affected. And I think we can do that through charity support, community support. And we saw literally every retailer step up. What came next? And you're asking me, you know, it's about one of my favorite pieces. I, I shared with you my favorite holiday or, or Christmas campaign. But what my favorite piece that came out over the holidays in fact, it was two days after the first vaccine was approved on the 2nd of December, was what I saw from H&M, the, uh, the German retailer. And literally, I was on, on the couch downstairs. This ad came on, and it was a defining moment in this story. And it was called Bring on the Future. Farewell to endless days in sweats, the unmade bed, the unwashed hair, hello encounters anywhere, hello approaching strangers' pits, release a flood of invitations, more guts and wider comfort zone, life amplified through megaphone, invite all new temptations, Instill the urgency to mend the planet and what else is wrecked. Let things we wasted resurrect. Here's to forever, not the end. Come out, let out the love within. Call in equality for all. Let the voice of justice call. Let's love, let loose, 
let it begin. Explore, galore, ignore, have fun, let out the free expression. Self-love in repossession. Pick up your heart, let go and run. Bring on the night, bring everyone. Come, rays of light across the sky. The year is fading, say goodbye. The future world has just begun. For me, it was yes, this is the piece. Talk about resonating. Mm -hmm. This is the inspiration that we needed. This was going to be holding up a light in the dark. And you know what? It's really about timing is everything. Yeah. You could have done this too soon and it would not have worked. You absolutely could have done it too late and then you're just an also ran. But it was inevitable, right? We all knew there was going to be a vaccine. Just when and where it was going to come out, nobody quite knew. There's lots in development, which was going to be the first to be approved. We didn't know. So I think, you know, today we're talking about optimism. And, you know, I've been talking about, you know, the, the art of resonance. I would hold this up as a piece that really did it well. Feel-good marketing hasn't always been in style, especially in recent years. It can come across as inauthentic. It can be cheesy or naive. How has this, if we want to call it feel-good or optimistic, how has it evolved? And what advice would you give to marketers who are considering this type of campaign just to be careful to make sure that it's not coming across as inauthentic? Yeah, I think... It's a, it's a tough one because I think we're talking about art versus science here. So, you know, obviously you can sort of look back to see what has and hasn't worked. In, in some ways, it's very much like humor. Humor is very difficult to get right as well. So that's where sometimes this stuff is intuitive. This is where you're really going to lean on a very strong creative team. There's examples in the past where you know, you sort of moved away from what was the original creative idea. You sort of chipped off the corners. You've made it very corporate. You've taken off the edges. You've smoothed it out. That is what leads you to the inauthentic and cheesy. I think mm -hmm. sort of getting back to let creatives do their job, find the right partners to work with and let them be good at their art. Because I would say, I think we've found a new appetite for idealism. I think what the pandemic has done, you've done it, I've done it, everyone listening to this has done it. We've had a lot of time sitting on our couches. <laughs> the pandemic has made us question our values. Yeah. You know, whether, even if you're just thinking about family members, right? And starting to value time with their family more than they ever did. Like we've all had a chance to think about what's important to us. And I think most of us, most of us have made up our minds on that. We want change. I don't think we're ever going to want to go back to BC, like the before COVID years. Mm -hmm. I think we want to come out of this. We want to move forward. We want to be better. That's where I think the, the newfound appetite for idealism is there. But, you, you, but you're also asking me about, you know, give brand managers who are considering... Uh, a campaign about in-store activation of feel-good messaging. One of the pieces that I worked on for Walmart was the uh, the next generation store 
in stockyards in the West End of Toronto. What I loved about that project is I was pretty much given creative freedom to use all of the surfaces in that environment to um, speak to our brand values, speak to our promises. And for me, the epiphany was there is rational stuff that you want to talk about in stores and there's the higher purpose stuff, the emotional stuff that you want to get across as well. And I think when it comes to, you know, sort of feel good, emotive stuff, there is a place for that. What I decided to do at Stockyards was to say below eight feet is the rational stuff. Below eight feet, we're going to talk about price and buy one, get one and what's on sale. We're going to enable at shelf decision making around those rational pieces. But it's the above eight foot, you know, when you sort of look up or you look across or you have the longer field of vision across the store. That's where I think you want to speak to feel good. You want to speak to the emotive dimensions of your brand. You know, a, a good example there of, of what I did is as you were leaving the store, there's a big picture of somebody's face. Like human faces are still the best creative tool we've got to express emotion. Copy's great, but get the facial expressions right first. And it said, you've got that just saved glow. What I liked about that is that we were speaking to emotionally how good it felt to save money. Mm -hmm. Below eight feet was the rational, here's how you do it. But the above eight feet was the emotional stuff. So, you know, we we're using that above eight feet to inspire, to endorse, to celebrate. So, for example, when you're going down the escalators in that store, we've got two associates doing a high five and saying, uh, here's to saving money, right? We, we, we're using that space strategically to get some of that emotive messaging in there. Right. So, I mean, on the other side, although things do look positive for 2021, there are a lot of people for whom the pandemic has really been catastrophic. People have lost jobs, they've lost loved ones, and people's mental health is under strain. And brands have been paying more attention, as you mentioned, to social causes. Everybody has stepped up. But how has the pandemic impacted their efforts around social, you know, corporate responsibility? And where is there room for brands to do more going ahead, knowing that there are people out of work, the economy's in trouble, people have lost their lives? What would you say are the maybe the things to watch out for when you're being idealistic in your communications? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's been tough, right? I mean, there's there's lots of jobs that simply are not coming back anytime soon and tragically there's people that simply aren't coming back mental health is challenges there all-time high you know i i don't think consumers expect brands to solve all those issues for them but i think what they will expect is that those brands will take time like i did which was simply to catch my breath and have a think because post-pandemic, I don't think your customer is going to be entirely the same. I think they will be looking for you to be more compassionate, probably looking for you to be more progressive as well. Because like I say, they've had that couch time to sit and think. They've done the thinking. They know when, they, when the vaccine's done, 
and they come out of this, I don't think people want to go back to exactly the way things were. For all those big macro issues that I spoke about, be it the environment, be it equality, whatever those big issues are, I think they're going to look for brands to express their newfound values and those that optimism. And I think brands that get that right will be rewarded with the loyalty. I think it's just a case of go back and look at where you were, where you think, where, where, where you want to be, because those documents you probably got in your drawer, which speak about your promises to your customers, just check they're still relevant post-pandemic that would be my advice there that's great advice so if you could give brand marketers three pieces of advice or three thoughts that you have about a message of optimism and hope for 2021 what would your advice be i think i think some of these things are true to good brand management whenever i think the first one which is always true is just about being authentic if it's not true, if you're not really doing it well, if it's not really your intention, then don't say it. I mean, truth has been under attack for a long time now. Yeah, we could do so, another whole podcast about that. <laughs> absolutely. So authenticity is very highly valued and easily lost. And, you know, your brand is your promise. So simply don't make promises you're not going to keep. And, you know, we talk about sort of representation and equality. Just think again about the voices of your brand as well. In terms of this sort of, this first sort of pillar about authenticity, just go back and look again, post-COVID, who the voice of your brand is and to be sure that those real voices are representative of your customer. I think, as we've mentioned, a lot of these retailers are already doing it, that acknowledging the realities Yes, the planet is in peril. Inequality is real. The impact of the pandemic has been devastating. And then I think what you have to do is be part of the solution because optimism is hope, right? Yeah. You can acknowledge the realities, but that's not enough. You have to come in with some higher purpose. So the optimism should be the articulation of your purpose. I mean, we've been in enough boardrooms and seen enough mission statements they're normally pretty optimistic things. Right. Like you were saying earlier, I would go and check in on it mm -hmm. to make sure that your, your, your before COVID and your after COVID mission statements and purpose are still fit for purpose and it's up to date. And I think people for a long time have wanted to feel less like consumers and more like stakeholders in your brand. I mean, they buy your product to identify and to advertise their their values and beliefs i think that's more important now than ever lastly i would say be brave like honestly who didn't gasp when we first saw the the, the, the kaepernick ads and thought yes. holy smoke somebody <laughs> uh, somebody at nike is being brave there yeah and good for them right good for them i mean they got it right because they know where their credibility comes from. They know the social issues that their consumers care about. I guess it's almost an aside. I mean, since that campaign, their revenue is what, up six billion or something? Yeah. Like bravery has its rewards and they did the right thing and good for them. Yeah. But 
And uh, yeah, I, and I think people want action and they want it now. So Melinda, that'd be my three things. Be authentic, be part of the solution and be brave. So if you were gonna maybe give us a little wrap up of this, um, can you do that for us? Sure, absolutely. I think like I said before, like the pandemic has asked all of us to question our values, ask what's important to us. And I think we've had long enough watching daytime TV on the couch to make our minds up on that. And I think in general, we want change. We're not gonna go back to the BC years. And I think that's your optimism for you. And like I said, we're gonna be choosing brands that are gonna be signaling our values. And those brands have got the opportunity to resonate with that, that newfound idealism that we were talking about. And there's good stuff to look forward to. I mean, we've got three vaccines approved here in the UK now. Mm -hmm. um, that's got to start having an effect soon. We're, we're in the closing days of the, uh, the Trump presidency. You know, we're gonna be looking forward potentially to the US re-signing the Paris Agreement. What else is going on? Um, oh, they're in the UK. You can't buy petrol cars after 2030. Mm -hmm. In 10 years time, we're hopefully gonna be three quarters of our energy is gonna come from clean energy. Like you just start to see where this is going. And mm -hmm. I think it, I think there's a lot of optimism for the future. I don't think we're gonna go back to exactly where, where we were before. And I think arguably as we come out of one of the bleakest periods for decades, as good marketers, we're gonna to wanna to give our customers what they want and hope, belief that things will get better and that in itself is optimism. And we, we, we can do that for them. Great. So um, what are you doing these days? And if, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Okay, awesome. Yeah, so what, what I'm doing at the moment is I would describe myself right now as a retail observer. And like I said, I think what's going on in the UK, there is still a lot of creative energy. So for a couple of North American clients, I've been putting together um, almost like these creative stimulus packages uh, which help them kick off projects. Been also doing a little bit of retail strategy, some competitive market audits. This is the stuff that I'm really passionate about and really have enjoyed doing. And uh, check out my website, paulgoldsmith.uk or email paulgoldsmith27 at outlook.com. Great. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Awesome. You're very welcome. Hopefully we can do it again. Being brave is hard, but more than ever, consumers are not willing to settle for meek, safe positions. Great advice from Paul as we emerge from the pandemic, hopefully soon. Thanks for listening to Think Retail. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time we discuss social harmony and finding common ground. We hope you'll join us.